Some of you know that I'm a fan of Downton Abbey, and it is in its sixth and final season. We're already two weeks into this season, and I can tell that some of the storylines are beginning to be tidied up as we near the end. One part of this story has to do with the Bates, Mr. and Mrs. Bates. And for those of you that know this story, they have been trying to conceive a child. And for these first two episodes of this last season, it hasn't happened. Anna has been discouraged by this and heartbroken and feels like a failure. And in both episodes, there has been a moment where Mr. Bates has come close to her face and said to her very directly, you know that I love you. There is nothing that you could or couldn't do that would change that fact. I love you. Anna doesn't seem to hear him. I'm growing a little impatient with her. (laughs) Two episodes in a row, we've had to focus on him telling her directly, and I think, don't you hear his words to you? That he loves you unconditionally. Now, granted, Anna has had a hard road to hoe, if you've known some of the earlier seasons. But I thought of this illustration in relationship to the scripture today because of our first reading the words from the prophet Isaiah, demonstrating God's love for God's people in a beloved way, in an unconditional way, in a way that cannot be changed. It seems that the people of God have trouble believing that God loves them unconditionally. They have trouble believing that they are God's beloved. And God wants to make sure they know how much he loves them. And that there is nothing that can change that. I think that we too have trouble believing that God loves us. For any host of reasons. Perhaps you think of things and you think if God though knew this. Or surely God knows that and God's love really isn't fully for me. But we hear this theme again and again in scripture that God loves God's people. In the First Testament, we hear it in a universal sense, God's chosen people. In the Second Testament, we hear it in a very particular sense, that God loves people, individuals, you, me. Paul knew this very clearly, and we hear him speak about it in his first letter to the Corinthians, in one of many places. For Paul knew it deeply within himself, God's love, for him as an individual, We hear in later parts of his writing that he said, I was the first among sinners, and yet I know of God's love for me. Paul was the first follower of Jesus to write down anything about what it means to follow Jesus and to know God's love deeply in his life. And so here we hear an illustration in this first letter to the Corinthians about what it means to be a part of the collective, even as we are part even as we are distinctly individuals. He reminds us each of our unique gifts given by the Spirit. You, he says, are loved by God, and you are a part of the whole. God loves God's people, and God loves you. How does it change when we remember that? How does life change when we remember that God loves us, each one, as people? I wonder how our lives would change 
if each person took a minute, maybe two, every day to sit in the awareness of God's love for him, for her, for you, for me. To sit just for a couple of minutes receiving God's love for us. Tomorrow, we celebrate the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And indeed, since his passing, his life has changed over these decades. The stories that get told and don't get told about him, his position, the stage onto which he was thrust, and his willingness to accept that position. I am blessed by remembering some of the words that he shared early on when he wasn't sure he wanted to accept this role of being out in the front, of speaking about the need for humanity to change, the structures to change. He writes about it and refers to it as a cup of coffee with God. It was early on in the Montgomery bus boycott, and he was receiving threats to his family and to his home. And on one particular night, he was awakened by the phone, and he went to answer it, and again, it was another threat. He was exhausted. He hung up the phone, and he got up and started to pace the floor, thinking, wondering how he could bow out of being the spokesperson without looking like a coward. You see, he was married already. He had two, maybe three children, and people were threatening their lives. He decided to make a cup of coffee and sat down and brought his concerns to God. He admitted that he didn't have the strength to go forward, and people needed a strong, a strong person to follow. If he faltered, they would falter. And he says that he heard God's voice to him in a way that changed everything. An assurance that God is with him and that he can go forward, that God will be with him the entire way. Hearing those words rooted him. It made all the difference for those years of ministry that lied ahead. He knew deeply of God's love for him, particularly Martin. He knew so deeply God's love for him that he was able to express God's love for all humanity. I wonder what would happen for each of us if we took a moment to hear God's love for us, to sit in God's love of us, to receive God's love for us. I believe that we can't bring the love of God into the world without knowing it deeply and intimately as individuals. Dr. King writes about this in one of his pieces called Strength to Love. He talks about how we love our enemies, but then goes on to why. Why should we love our enemies? The first reason is fairly obvious. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate, violence multiplies violence, and toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. 
So when Jesus says, love your enemies, he is setting forth a profound and ultimately inescapable admonition. How can we be agents of light and love in the world? By receiving God's light and love in and through us. You, me, as individuals, blessed by God uniquely, beloved by God distinctly. It is true. I hope Anna Bates learns to hear it from her husband, and I hope you learn to hear it from God. When we are rooted in God's love, all the world is changed, and we are redeemed, we are liberated, we are renewed, transformed. We carry that transforming, redeeming, liberating, renewing love into the world so that God's goodness of love can be made known. We see this in one person, Dr. King, but it is available to us all in our unique and distinct ways. May we hear that we are beloved by God. May we believe that we are beloved by God so that we can share the love of God in the world. Amen.